Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody has had a wonderful week. Uh, please stay uh, safe this week. I hear we're getting, uh, getting a little bit of a, a heat wave coming through. Um, my understanding is something having to do with the sun getting hot. Um, so <laughs> even more hot than usual. Um, but uh, please be safe. Check on your elderly neighbors and uh, make sure that they are safe. Stay hydrated. Um, stay in the air conditioning if you have air conditioning. Um, and if you're out on the farm, if you're out uh, doing outside work, again, please just be very safe. Uh, before we start, I really want to say another huge, huge thank you to everyone who made VBS uh, a possibility and who made VBS the success that it was. Um, we had uh, just so many kids here. It was, it was actually weird walking in this morning and it being so nice and calm and tranquil and quiet. <laughs> but we had so many kids, we had so many helpers. I wanna thank all of the volunteers, all of the people who worked in the kitchen. Um, and again, the security staff, they were quite imposing uh, with their coffee cups there, if I might say so. Um, all of the station people, uh, Cindy told great stories and we had a great time in here with our videos, everything just was uh, incredible, and I just want to thank everybody who was involved in that. Last week we started um, a sermon series. Helps if I turn that on. We started a sermon series called Faith Under Fire, and we met four young men, uh, Hebrew men, in the book of Daniel chapter 1, who had been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. And we learned that their Hebrew names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and that their names were changed to Babylonian names, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's usually how we know them today. And these four youth were placed in this uh, Babylonian training program where they were supposed to learn the language and they were supposed to learn the culture. They were supposed to eat Babylonian food. Basically, they were supposed to become Babylonians. And they were to prepare for three years so that they could go to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. And we also saw that these four young men, despite their circumstances, because I'm, I'm sure it was not at all pleasant to be plucked from their home and taken hundreds and hundreds of miles, uh, basically to be placed in, in a kind of servitude to a king that they didn't know. But they trusted God despite their circumstances. They followed his law, his commandments. And we read in Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 to 20, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, the three years, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. That means they were going to go into the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. 
Now, magicians and enchanters back in that day, they were the, considered the wise men. They knew things that other people didn't know. They could read signs in the stars and they could interpret dreams. They could do all of these things. And these four guys who weren't even Babylonian were 10 times better than the people had grown up their whole lives in Babylon learning these things and practicing their crafts. 10 times better. Think about what that means. These four Hebrew boys had never encountered Babylonian culture. They had never been there before. They didn't know the language. They didn't know the customs. It's like they were entering Babylon Elementary School on the first day of school. They didn't know, not, they didn't know anything. How many of you remember your first day in elementary school where you didn't know nothing? I don't remember my first day in elementary school, but some people do, and, and we don't. We, we are very um, incapable of doing a lot of things when we enter elementary school. But in just three years, through the power of God, these four boys learned the language, they learned the culture, and they did it so well that the professionals paled in comparison to these four boys. They were 10 times better. Now, how do you think that this made the professionals feel? How do you think the magicians and the sorcerers and the enchanters, how do you think they felt about Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah and the king kind of like fawning all over them? Hey, they're 10 times better than you guys. <laughs> I think they might have been a little upset. And as we're going to continue to learn through this sermon series, they were so upset that they tried to set these guys up over and over and over again. Tried to get them in trouble with the king. And we're going to see how they still, even in those circumstances, trusted God. But today we're going to look at the very first act of service that we read about where Daniel or Belteshazzar, depending on which name you want to use, so he did this service for the king, and we read about it in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, his people, be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. So this is the setup. This is the beginning of this story. Nebuchadnezzar is saying that he wants the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell him what this dream meant. How many of you remember your dreams? Anybody remember their dreams? Anybody, like, anybody have a weird dreams? Any, any weird dreams here? No, normal dreams, right? I mean, like, like you're in your house, except it's like not really like your house, but it feels like your house in the dream, and you recognize everything, even though it's all in the wrong place, but it's in the right place in your dream, and maybe somebody is in your dream with you, your spouse or your child or your friend or a complete stranger that you have known forever, apparently, in this dream, right? And you walk across the room, you go into the kitchen because you're hungry in your dream, and you open the door and you're at Hershey Park, 
and you're walking, but your feet aren't touching the ground, and you can run really fast, or actually walk really fast. You don't have to run because your, your feet aren't touching the ground. And then you climb to the top of the roller coaster instead of like actually getting in line. You climb to the top of the roller coaster, and you find Willie Nelson and Def Leppard doing a concert up there at the top of the roller coaster. So that's just me, right? That, okay. Wendy sometimes tells me about her dreams, then we spend like a half an hour on Google. What does this mean in a dream? Okay, Google, uh, what does it mean when I'm dreaming that I'm breathing through my elbows? What does that mean? So we have these weird dreams. And some people think that dreams, if you remember your dreams, that, that your dreams are trying to send you a message. Or they're trying to send you a warning. And this, is, this has been the belief just all through time. If you remember a dream like that, there's some message that you're, that you're supposed to be getting. But whatever the dream was, Nebuchadnezzar is worried about it. He is freaked out. He needs to know what this... He didn't have Google at the time to find out why he's breathing through his elbows. But he had the, the magicians and the enchanters and all of these people. So they're kind of like his Google. And he calls them and he says, tell me what this means. And we read on starting in verse 4, Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Makes sense. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But... If you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Quite reasonable, right? <laughs> they, they, they answered him a second time to let the king tell his servants the dream and then we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation. So in, a little bit later in Daniel, we're going to find that the king goes a little crazy. He actually goes a lot crazy. He goes out and starts living with the animals and his, and, and his fingernails grow like claws and, and all of this stuff. And he eats the grass. Uh, I think this is where it started. I think the craziness started right here, right? King wants them not only to interpret a dream, he wants them to read his mind and tell them what the dream was in the first place. I mean... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be going away this week. I'm flying to, to London, hopefully, if the planes don't, you know, all just, you know, disappear or whatever. But imagine if I, if I fly to Heathrow Airport, and I go out and I get a taxi to take me to my hotel, and I get into the taxi, and my taxi driver says, where to, mate? And I tell him, I'm going to a hotel. But I'm not going to tell you which hotel it is. You got to figure it out on your own. And you know what? If you don't get it right the first time, I'm going to slash all your tires and break all your windows. Okay? Does that sound ludicrous to anybody else? 
But that's a little bit like what the king is saying here. He's saying, look, I know you're trying to trick me. He, he had this thing going on in his mind that everybody was out to get him. You're trying to trick me. You're trying to buy time. You're trying to not tell me what I want to know. You're trying to, to, to tell lies. You're trying to overthrow me. So you need to tell me the dream, and you need to tell me an interpretation, or I'm going to kill you. And obviously this request doesn't sit well with the Chaldeans, because they go on. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has ever asked for such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now to me, this sounds like a reasonable response to this ludicrous question. And these people are logically trying to explain, look, we can't do, nobody, nobody is going to be able to do what you're asking. Not just us. You will not find a person on earth that can do this. And they keep trying to explain it to him and explain it to him. And finally, the king explodes. The Bible says he reacts in anger and fury. Now I've reacted in anger before. And I've reacted in fury before. But anger and fury, this guy is mad. And he wants to kill these people. And he actually orders his army to go out and find all the wise men in all of Babylon and kill them and destroy their families. That's what he, that's what he says. This is what he is expecting. And that's all the setup to this story, to this event. The really important stuff is coming next, and it has to do with the four Hebrew youth, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because remember, these four guys have recently been named like you know, employee of the year for Nebuchadnezzar. And their lives now, they, they discover, Daniel discovers from the captain of the guards that their lives are in danger because they are considered wise men of Babylon now. So Daniel learns about this kill order. But instead of panicking, instead of running, instead of trying to pack up all of his things and take off, he does something different. In Daniel 2.16, it says, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now we know from the earlier passages in, in Daniel that Daniel is an interpreter of dreams. So he is one of these guys that the king might turn to. Now, the whole tell him the dream and interpret it might be a little bit more difficult. And we might think that Daniel makes this appointment because he believes, yes, I can do this, no problem. But we would be wrong in believing that. Daniel knew with his mind, just like the rest of the magicians and Chaldeans and all these people, that this was going to be impossible. I couldn't possibly tell you what you dreamed. You're asking me to read your mind. And I can't do that. But the very next thing that Daniel does, after he makes the appointment with the king, 
is he goes to his friends. And in 17 to 19, we read, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, I sometimes talk with people, and they talk about prayer, and a lot of times I get this question, why doesn't God answer my prayers? How many of you have ever thought that before? You've prayed for something, and, and you feel like God has not answered your prayer. Well, it's very likely that God has answered your prayer. I've learned through many years of praying that God, not only does he answer prayers, sometimes I don't like the answer, right? God knows better than I do, right? About everything. He is wise. He knows everything. And when I pray, sometimes my desires align with God's desires, with his plan, with his will. And God answers, yes. Yes, because I was going to do that anyway. Right? Yes, this aligns with my plan. Yes, go and do this. And this makes me happy. I'm happy. And I come and I tell people, God answered my prayers. God did this and God did that. And, and my prayers have been answered. I'm so excited. And we've, we've done that before. We've heard people do that before. But sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers with a yes. Now, sometimes he answers with a not now. Parents, are you familiar with this phrase? Mom, Dad, can I have ice cream? Not now. You haven't had dinner yet. What does not now mean? It means eventually I'm going to say yes, but it's not going to be at this moment when you want what you want. And that's the way that God answers some of our prayers. And it's difficult because it requires of us <gasps> patience. And how many of us have patience? I got no patience. I, I'll tell you, Wendy will tell you, I have no patience. But it requires me to have patience. It requires me to trust God and wait on his timing in order for God to work his plan and his will the way that it needs to work. And eventually, he'll come back and he'll say, okay, remember that thing you asked for? Now. <laughs> of course, sometimes I'm not ready then, right? Well, I don't want that anymore, God. No, no, no. Now. You go. You do. But this not yet prayer, this not yet answer is really difficult for some of us to, to, to think about. But you know what? It's not nearly as difficult as no. Because sometimes God answers your prayer by saying no. And that no sometimes can be devastating to us depending on what the prayer is. This past week, East Berlin was praying for a young man named Andrew Carabinos Jr. Andrew was in a car accident on July the 7th. He was airlifted to York Hospital and that's where he stayed for the rest of his life. He underwent a surgery right as he got there. He was supposed to undergo more surgeries. Ultimately, he succumbed to his injuries. He was pronounced brain dead by the doctors. 
Andrew was a student at Bermudian Springs. He was going to be a senior this year. He was a volunteer junior firefighter with Northeast Adams Fire and EMS, and he was a good friend to many of the people that are sitting here this morning. People who worked with him, people who drove him to school. Andrew was an important person to a lot of us. Andrew had planned on enlisting in the United States Marine Corps after he graduated from high school. He was a young man with his whole life ahead of him. And now he's gone. And we don't know what caused the accident, at least I haven't heard anybody report on what actually caused the accident. And we don't know why God answered no to all of the people that are sitting here and all of the people that are sitting in East Berlin that were praying that Andrew would make a full recovery. We don't know why God said no to all of those people. I read that uh, on Friday there was a, a walk of life at York Hospital. I understand a couple people in the congregation were there. In the hallway of York Hospital was lined almost to capacity with Andrew's family and friends saying their final goodbye before he was wheeled into the operating room so that his organs could be donated. I don't know why God said no. I don't know why Andrew is no longer with us. I can guess, and that would be stupid. But one of the things that kept running through my mind when I heard about this walk of life and that Andrew was going to be donating his organs was that by Andrew's death, several other people were going to be able to live. The only thing I could think was this was the final selfless act of a selfless person. But I don't know why God took Andrew. I will never know. His family will never know unless God puts it into their minds and into their hearts. Why? This is why I took your son. The only thing we can do is we can sit with the family. I was told the family had a uh, Chinese balloon ceremony on Saturday. And I was told that, that it, the feeling was that the family just wanted to be surrounded by family and friends, by people who knew Andrew, so that they could lean on each other, so that they could support each other comfort each other in this time of grief. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's what God wants us to do when we see our brothers and sisters grieving. When we see that they have sustained such a great and significant loss. God doesn't want us to walk up to them and say, you know, God has a plan. God wants us to walk up to them and just hold them while they cry. God wants us to just 
sit with them. And yes, God wants us to pray for mercy and for grace for this family as they are going through this impossible transition of living life without their son, without their brother, without their friend. We don't know why God answers the way that he does. The only thing we can do is trust God's purpose. The only thing we can do is look at his life, Andrew's life, and say God had a purpose for it. And even though we can't understand it, God's purpose included taking him while he was so young. And it also included Andrew's decision to check a box at the DMV that said, please harvest my organs and give them to other people so that even if I'm dead, other people might be able to find life. We don't know why, but we know that God is working his will and his purpose. And sometimes that's not of any comfort to us in the moment. And we'll still ask God, why? Why did you say no? And that's okay. God's okay with us asking why. So God answers our prayers in these three ways. Yes, not yet, and no. And when Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah prayed for God's mercy, They were praying that God would rescue them from death. They didn't know what that rescue might look like. And they didn't know if God would say yes. Or if they would say no. But they trusted God's will and his plan. He and his friends prayed and we read in verse 19, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. God happened to say yes because it was part of his plan. It was part of Daniel's job in God's kingdom to show Nebuchadnezzar who God is and how God works. And the rest of Daniel chapter 2 goes on to describe Daniel's meeting with Nebuchadnezzar. And he does tell the king both the dream and the interpretation. And we're not going to get into all that today. It's a lot of like latter times prophecy kind of thing that we'll talk about some other time. But before Daniel interprets the dream, tells the dream and the interpretation, he says this, to the king in verse 27 and 28. Daniel, Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Daniel answers in the exact same way that all of these other people have said to King Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody can do it. And one of the things that I love about the book of Daniel, especially the first six chapters, is there's an awful lot of the word, but, or however. 
whichever your translation says. And it goes on, Daniel goes on to say, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. God put the dream in your mind while you were sleeping. God wants you at this time to know what's going to happen to you and to your kingdom. I can't give you the interpretation. I didn't give you the dream. God gave you the dream. Daniel admits that no man on earth could do what he asked. Not even himself. Unless God gave him that knowledge. Unless God gave him that wisdom. Daniel gives all the glory to God the Father. He talks to the king. He says, for man, this is impossible. For me, this is impossible. But for my God, the only true God who dwells in heaven, anything is possible. Daniel tells him the dream, tells him the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar loves that he has gotten the dream and that he has gotten the interpretation. Of course, he becomes less angry. He stops the kill order. But he still doesn't really get this whole God thing yet. Because we read in Daniel 2.46, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Nebuchadnezzar was going to give all the credit to Daniel, even though Daniel has told him several times, this is not me. I cannot do this. This is the power of God. The power of the one true, not your gods, not this bell or this Aku or these moon gods or these water gods or all of these other gods that just don't exist. Or if they do exist, they don't really do anything. We're talking about the God who reveals mysteries. We're talking about the God who has a plan for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's actually blessed you by telling you what that plan is. The king didn't get it. But that's okay, because the king's going to have several more chances to learn about who this God is and what this God is capable of. And in two weeks, uh, we're going to see that the king does learn a lot about worshiping God. Of course, he has to go through the process of having people worship him first. And we're going to see that story next week as, the, as Daniel shifts from him to his friends in a story that most of us are fairly familiar with. But next week, I'm going to be in uh, Germany uh, watching the Passion Play, which they put on every 10 years. I'm very excited to be there, hoping to get some uh, video and some, uh, some pictures to show you guys when I get back. Um, next week, we actually have, um, is it Pastor Ray? 
Ray? Yes. Yes. Okay, so Pastor Ray, who, how many of you were here when Pastor Ray was here? Okay, most of you don't know Pastor Ray, but Pastor Ray was our pastor four pastors ago, I think. Four or five, I don't know. However many pastors ago he was. But he's going to be bringing you guys a message. Um, I'm excited, I'm actually excited to, to live stream that and, uh, and see what he has to say to you. Um, I'd ask that you would pray for me with all of the airline stuff that's going on. Uh, pray that I get back in time because I'm supposed to be officiating a wedding on Saturday. <laughs> uh, I'm supposed to come back on Thursday. So uh, pray for me, pray for that couple. Um, I, do have, uh, I do have a pastor friend who's my backup. So he's, 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 he's good to go in case I'm stuck in Europe for another couple of weeks. Um, and of course, uh, Dana is going to arrange that I can live stream from in front of Big Ben um, the service on the following week if I'm still not back. So, um, but um, even more than praying for me, pray for Andrew's family this week. Um, they are going through, if, if you've ever lost uh, a loved one, especially a, a loved one who is, is younger, uh, you know the pain, you know the grief. Um, pray strongly for them. And if you have the opportunity, just go with them and sit with them and let them grieve and grieve with them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for just the knowledge, the understanding that you have a perfect plan, a perfect purpose, and that each of us fits in that purpose like a tapestry of beauty. Father, we ask that you would help us to remember that you are always answering our prayers. Help us to be patient when the answer is not yet. Help us to be comforted when the answer is no. Help us to be humble when the answer is yes. But Father, we thank you for answering prayer. Thank you for this past week's VBS and all of the, the, the kids who were here who heard your name and, and the name of Jesus and learned so much about you. Pray that you would continue to help this congregation to learn more about you and to learn more about how to serve in your kingdom while we are here in this community of East Berlin. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The God that we serve, the God that we worship is great. The God that we worship and the God that we serve is mighty. He is also gracious and merciful. This week as you go out, as you live your lives among your friends, among your co-workers, among the stranger that you meet in the street, Pray that you will show them who God is. Show them God's grace, His mercy, His power, His might. Show them that God loves them the way He loves you. God bless you.